You may have heard it said that in the Old Testament times, they did not have a good understanding about life after death. The revelation was given over time. And in the Old Testament, life after death had not been revealed yet. Bart Ehrman, a non-Christian New Testament scholar in his book, Heaven and Hell, makes mention of the non-belief of life after death taught in the Old Testament. Here's a quote from his blog in an article entitled, Heaven and Hell in a Nutshell. He says, start at the beginning. The Old Testament does not speak with just one voice on any topic, the afterlife included. It comprises 39 books produced over many centuries by numerous authors with wide ranging views on just about everything. Even so, the vast bulk of the Old Testament has no real concept of any kind of life after death. Life is available now before death. When it is over, it is over. After death, it is only death for everyone equally. There is no punishment or reward, just a kind of non-existence. Now in this quote, he identifies that the Old Testament is written by a lot of different authors that might have a lot of different views. And then he says the bulk of the Old Testament does not teach life after death. However, when you look at all the passages in the Bible that talk about death and life after death, you find the majority of them do talk about life after death. So what's going on? Did they believe in life after death or not? Today, a look at life after death in the Old Testament. Hi, this is Robert Furrow and welcome to Hot Topics. If you're new here, consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and ringing the bell so you can get all of our new content. The comment section's open below. We would love to hear from you. Now, is he right or wrong? Does the Old Testament teach life after death? The short answer is yes, it clearly does. But there are verses that can be misconstrued to teach otherwise. Let's take a look. Let's start with what the Old Testament teaches about life after death. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And in Job 19, 25 through 27, Job says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I will see God. There's no other way to explain that than that Job believed that he was going to see God even though his flesh was destroyed, that there was gonna be some kind of a resurrection. He goes on then in the next verse and says, whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another, my heart yearns within me. So there was an excitement about the hope of a resurrection in the earliest book of the Bible. A little bit later on, we'll look at another verse from the book of Job that seems to say something different. Let's consider what David said in Psalm 17:15. He says, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that these are terms for resurrection, that when we see Christ, we will be like him. And so David says, I will see your face in righteousness and I'll be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. This clearly is him thinking about the afterlife. Another Psalm of David, Psalm 16, nine through 11 says this, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also rests in hope. He's gonna call the resurrection hope for his flesh. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Sheol is the grave. And he's saying, my soul will not be abandoned in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. That's speaking of Jesus, the Messiah is the Holy One. 
and it's a prophecy on the resurrection. You will not abandon my soul in Sheol, nor will the Holy One see corruption. Then he goes on to say, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. So he speaks of being in the presence of God with the pleasures of God forevermore. Clearly a statement of life after death. Listen to what God promises death in the book of Hosea. He actually speaks to death. It's Hosea 13, 14. It says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. Here clearly being ransomed from the grave, they die, they go into the grave and now they're going to be ransomed from it. God is clearly telling us that there is an afterlife. I will redeem them from death, he says. Again, it couldn't be clear. To redeem is to purchase back. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. In this passage, he promises that he is going to do away with death. Could not be any clearer. Now, there's a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 19, that clearly states the resurrection. Actually, people being resurrected from the earth. It says, your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out her dead. This connects with many resurrection passages in the New Testament, that we go to dust and the earth is going to cast out the dead that are in them. Again, clearly, life after death, something happening, the resurrection mentioned in Isaiah 26, 19. Now, there's another one that's very clear, and this is in the book of Daniel. This is Daniel 12, 2. This is one of them that when I had heard there was no mention of life after death in the Old Testament, and I'm reading this in Daniel, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. Now we could go to many other verses that would tell us that there is life after death. This is just a sample of them, but it's a strong sampling. If the vast majority of verses in the Old Testament don't talk about life after death, then how do you explain the several that I just went over? There are some Old Testament obscure passages that seem to say that life ends in the grave. Let's take a look at what they really say. Let's start with Ecclesiastes 9, 5 and 6. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Now remember that Ecclesiastes is poetry. This is a very poetic statement. It's a play on knowing. The living know they'll die, but the dead know nothing. Now, is he saying that the living know they will die, but once you die, you don't know anything at all? That's the way it's taken. But reading things in context can often help. And oftentimes to make points, people take things out of context. So it goes on to say then in verse six, and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, their envy have perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything under the sun. And this is the point. He's not talking about life after death. He's talking about life on earth. And from an earthly perspective, when you die, you go into the grave and you don't have envy. You don't have any of the things that you had before and you don't know anymore. He's not talking about the other side of the grave. He's talking about the grave. The body dies and goes into the grave and doesn't know anything. 
And remember that this is the whole meaning of the book of Ecclesiastes. It is vanity without God. So then in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he goes on to talk about serving God while you're young and points out the importance of that. In Ecclesiastes 12, 7, he talks about those serving God and says this, then the dust will return to the earth as it was. That's the body. And the spirit will return to God who gave it. Again, clearly in the same book that said the dead know nothing, now the spirit returns to God. From the perspective of living on the earth, you die and go into the grave and know nothing. Therefore, it is vanity for someone to live for the here and now. But when you trust God, when your body returns to the earth, the spirit will return to God who gave it. Clearly, that verse is not saying that there's not an afterlife. You've got to read them again in context. Now, let me give you another one. This is Psalms 49.10. It says, for he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perishes and leave their wealth to others. So the word perishes there is the word. They perish and they do perish from the earth. This is not talking about the afterlife at all. And that becomes clear a little bit later on in the same Psalm. That's Psalms 49.10. Just five verses later, it says this, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me, Selah. Think about it. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. After a verse that is quoted to say that they didn't know about the afterlife, they're just not reading it in context. They're not carefully, rightly dividing the word of God. Let me give you another one. This is David again in Psalm 6:5. David said, for in death, there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? So clearly, He's talking about the grave. And if you read Psalm 6, it's a short Psalm where he's pleading for his life. His enemies have surrounded him. They're about to get him. He says, I soak my bed with tears. I soak my couch with tears. He basically is saying in verse five, what good would it do if I die? Save me, O God, for what good would it do if I die? There would be no remembrance of you in the grave who will give you thanks. I'll read it again. In the context of him asking God to save his life for in death, there is no remembrance of you in the grave who will give you thanks. He's not saying there's no afterlife. He's saying, what good is it if I die? Because my body that is in the grave will not remember you. He even uses the word grave in that verse. Now I quoted earlier the book of Job where Job says, I know my redeemer will live and stand on the earth. And even though my body is destroyed, I will see him in my body. Clearly speaking of the resurrection. But in Job 14, when he's writing about his despair, he's in distress, he says this, but man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last. And where is he? The water disappears from the sea and the river becomes parched and dried up. So man lies down and does not rise. Till the heavens are no more, they will not awake nor be aroused from their sleep. Again, as he's looking at it from a human perspective, he's talking about the dead dying. And when you're speaking about something in despair, does that mean that you're always talking about what is right? You've got to take all of the passages that talk about life after death and compare them to each other. And then you see that an obscure passage like this doesn't tie together with all of the other passages about life after death. 
Now, we also gain a little bit more insight from an incident that happened with Jesus. You remember that the Sadducees approached him and they did not believe in the resurrection. We also know that the Sadducees only followed the first five books in the Old Testament, or they gave them more weight than the rest of the Bible. And so the first five books don't clearly talk about life after death. And so they did not believe there was a resurrection or spirits or angels. And they come to Jesus with an outlandish story of the Leverite law, which teaches that if a woman married to a man dies without a child, that his brother is to marry her and raise up a child for him. It was so that they could keep the land in the family. The book of Ruth is an example of this. Boaz becomes the redeemer and Naomi, whose husband and son have died, receives the land again through Boaz and Ruth's marriage. So they come with this outlandish story about seven brothers who married the same woman in this Leverite law and none of them had children. And when they get to heaven, she's gonna be married to all seven. So there's a problem here. So Jesus answers and gives them an answer from the Pentateuch in Luke 20, 37. He says, but even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, for all live to him. Now here he's making the point that God said, I am the God of Abraham, that Abraham exists. He's not saying I was the God of Abraham, but I am the God of Abraham, meaning that Abraham is still alive and Isaac and Jacob. Then some of the scribes. Now the scribes were the scholars of their day. And they had probably fought with the Sadducees about the resurrection, even trying to find something in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible to answer them. Jesus goes to the books that they believe in to show that there is life after death. And the scribes answer and say, teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. Even the scholars of their day, the scribes, they didn't just write the Bible down, but they explained it and they taught it and they were the protectors of what it said. They even said, teacher, you have answered well because he proved from the Pentateuch that there was life after death. There are other passages that speak of life after death. And I have to think that these scholars, these atheists know it, that if they don't know it, they need to be better. They're scholars. They need to be able to know it when they just make a statement dismissing not one, two, three, or four passages, but many passages in multiple books that talk about life after death, you wonder, are they being honest? Now, I'm not judging them. Maybe they just don't know, but I don't think either place is good. If there's a scholar like Bart Ehrman and he doesn't know these passages, but he's making statements that they didn't believe in life after death in the Old Testament times, then he should know. That's not good that a scholar doesn't know that. And if he's being dishonest, then that's not good either because you want to give all of it out there. If you're really teaching the truth, then why misrepresent certain parts? I'm not saying that he did. I'm simply saying this is not good scholarly work from someone who is not a scholar. I hope this has helped. This is Robert Furrow and I'll see you next time on Hot Topics.